Uh, as many of you know, I grew up in Raceland. Um, I grew up right across the street from my grandparents' house. Um, so my, my dad's side, the family, basically all his brothers and sisters, um, they all live basically down the street and around my grandmother's house. Um, so it's kind of their house and it's, everybody else is kind of like planets just kind of orbiting around, which is kind of fun. Um, but when I was growing up, one of the things I remember, I, I, when I would get off the bus coming home from school, uh, so I might have been seven, eight, nine years old, right? I'd get off the bus coming home from school. Um, my bus driver would stop, and we lived on the bayou side. They lived on the other side of the road. Um, and basically, every day I had this major decision to make, right? He would say, which house you going to? And he meant your house or your grandparents' house, because he would help to cross me, like he would make sure I could cross the street safely and all that kind of stuff. And I remember, it was like this little calculus I kind of had to do, because at my house, I had video games, and at my house, I may or may not have had food because my mom might have gone to the store, you know, that month. I don't know, right? But at my grandma's house, I knew that I had a stocked pantry. I knew that she was waiting and ready to spoil me up and down, right? I knew that I was going to be able to play cards and hang out. And, like, they had an old school, like, original NES Nintendo, right? Oh, yes, okay. Like, I, I remember, like, I had certain things there and I had certain things at my house. And every day I had to kind of have this little calculus. Well, a lot of times, Mama's house won out. Right. So I go over to my grandma's house and sure enough, what she's doing, she's waiting. She's got the cards laid out. We're ready to play. She's got popcorn popping. We got drinks. We got like, oh, it's, it's great. It's like all of the good things that kids love. One at one point during the day, though, what would end up happening is during the afternoon while we were playing cards, my grandpa would come in and he would say, all right, time to go feed the sheep. He had a sheep farm right behind the house. So for me, every time I would, every time like when I hear today's gospel, I go back to thinking about being seven, eight, nine years old and walking through the sheep farm. So what we did was, is my grandpa, he would say, come on. So I would get, I would get all excited. I'd follow him out. He would stop at the door, you know, and he'd put on his white shrimp boots that had sheep mess all over the bottom of them. I'd put on my little black boots, my little rubber boots, and we would go walk. And sure enough, when we would get to the gate, what would happen is, the second that my grandpa started opening up Fort Knox of the, of the sheep pen, right, all of the sheep, they would, hear the, they would hear the chain, and they would hear the gate, and they would hear us messing with it, and all the sheep in the pen just start, would kind of start working their way towards us. Then as we would walk, we'd walk maybe about 50 yards or so into the barn, and as we walked, we kind of, I'm right by him, and the sheep would just follow in every step of the way. Open up the barn, and they would just sit there and wait. Now, me, being the little knucklehead I was, I'd chase them away and push them and all kind of other stuff, and it was, it was fun. I, I had a good time. But, but we would, what we did, we, we would get, scoop up the buckets and go and put, in, put the feed in the troughs and all this kind of stuff, and, and the sheep were being fed. They knew exactly what was going on. They knew when the shepherd, when they, they knew that when my grandpa was coming, when the farmer was coming, when the shepherd was coming, that they were getting fed. Well, one day I'm getting off the bus, and as I'm crossing the street, going to get ready for my chocolate milk and my, my, all my good, like, goodies, I look over and I saw they must have had a, a, a bust in the fence or something because a bunch of the sheep were out in the cane field. So as I'm walking across, I go to, I, when I walked inside, I looked at my grandpa and I said, well, Buck, they, the sheep are out. My grandma freaks out. I was freaking out. Everybody was freaking out. My grandpa just very, very calmly says, huh, I got this. Sure enough, he walks to the back like he always did, starts to mess with the gate, and you could see that you could see all the sheep kind of perk up. And then he, as he walked into the as he walked into the barn, he just got a bucket, 
And he, I, I remember he, he didn't say any words, but he just hollered, kind of like, Ha! Hey! And all the sheep that had perked up saw him. He had a bucket and full of feed, and he just shook it. And every one of the sheep that had ran away made their way right back into the pen, fed him, did his thing, closed up the gate, no big deal, no problem. It's interesting because the, 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 what Jesus touches on today in the Gospel is exactly how this animal operates. And we may not know this, right? Like It, it might not be a first-hand account that a lot of people can know. I, I was lucky to be able to see this play out as a kid. But really, sheep know the shepherd's voice. Sheep know they're, they're, they're creatures of habit. They, they know when they're being fed. They know where they go to be fed. They know where they're safe. They, they operate in packs, right? Like, all of these things are very, very true. And that's what Jesus is playing on. Now, we might miss some of this imagery. But the, the, the group that Jesus is preaching to, the, the first century Jew that Jesus is preaching to, would not miss this. They know this. You see, because sheep were like the cornerstone, were like the center, were like the most important thing they needed for their worship. So, so they were the lifeblood. Sheep were the lifeblood of Jewish worship. It would be like us needing bread, right? They could not worship without a sheep. At Passover, they ha- every family had to procure a lamb. So there were sheep all over the place. There were shepherds all over the place. It was a living. It was a way to make a living. So to understand today, let, let, let's, I'm going to explain one key element that Jesus talks about in today's Gospel too. Um, he uses this phrase, a sheepfold. Now we might not understand what that is, but a sheepfold essentially was like a public pen. In different towns, what they would have is they would have a sheepfold, and it was kind of like a shepherd coming into town could come and drop their sheep off into the sheepfold, into the sheep pen, and they had a gatekeeper that was there to kind of babysit the sheep, if you will. Right? Think of going to, if you, if you, if you, if moms or dads, anybody that ever brought their kids to the gym, you drop the kids off, you go do your thing, you come back, you grab the kid and you bring him home, right? So it was the same kind of thing. Like they would bring their herd, they would drop them off into the sheepfold, and then they would go do their business, they would come back, and then they would go out back to the pastures. Well, there might be multiple, there might be multiple, right, herds or multiple flocks in the same sheepfold. So how would they get them out? When they would open the door and call them out? Their sheep would follow their voice. They would follow right on out. And the ones that didn't would stay. What Jesus is talking about, and he, he kind of gives us the, the key to how to understand this image and how to understand this parable at the end, he's saying, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. My sheep hear me. They know my voice. They follow me. Well, if that's the case, if, if Jesus is the good shepherd and we are, and, and I would assume that if you hear on a Sunday night that you, can, you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, that you're part of his flock, right? Then it begs the question, do you know the shepherd's voice? Do you know the shepherd's voice? Do you know what you're listening for? Like, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to do what you want me to do. But do you know the shepherd's voice? Do you know it enough to to act on it? I 
I, I, I remember years ago, I was a seminarian, and I was, I was helping out with a Bible study in a parish at one time. I remember having this conversation with a, um, with, with a guy that was there. And at one point in the conversation, he said something along the effects. He said, um, you know, I'll be, if I'm honest, I, I don't know why I'm Catholic. I said, really? He said, he said yeah, it, it, it's an honest question. Like, I, I don't know why I'm Catholic. Am I Catholic because I believe all this? Or am I Catholic just because of where I grew up and who I was born to? Being Christian can't just be the... Be, being a, 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 an alive, devout, like, Bible-banging Christian cannot be just a matter of circumstance. That I just happen to be born to Catholics. Being Christian has to be an encounter with a person where we know a voice. We know a person. Oftentimes when people ask me, I, I, the, 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 simple question, the simple answer to the question of how do we come to know the shepherd's voice is we pray, right? That we, we listen for it. And, and, and oftentimes when that question comes up, I, I, somebody will ask me the question, they'll say, look, like if that's the case, when I sit down in the chapel and I try and quiet down and I try and like just kind of tune the world out, I don't know if it's me, I don't know if it's my music, I don't know if it's my world, I don't know if it's my thoughts, I don't know if it's this person, I don't know if it's the person snoring next to me in the chapel, I don't know what it is, but just everything comes to the surface and it's loud. And I don't know what's God's voice and what's not. So if that's the case, how am I supposed to listen? How am I supposed to hear the shepherd's voice? Uh, I'll use this example. Um, if a complete stranger today would call me, and, and like phone call, no caller ID, right, call me disembodied voice, and would just say, hey, Father JD, how are you doing? I'd probably look at my phone and pretend that I know the person's name, know them, and know something about them, and have no clue who's on the phone, right? I'd probably sit there and just like, just kind of have like really, really plain, no kind of like content, really like substance kind of conversation, and just use context clues and hope that I can figure out who's on the other side of the phone, right? So that, that's probably what I'd do if it was a complete stranger. If it was one of my best friends, and they would call me and they would say, hey, JD, how are you doing? It'd probably take me a time because if, if I don't have any kind of like, right, point of reference, I probably would sit there and just kind of like take a little bit of time, use the context loops and figure it out sooner or later. But probably recognize a voice, but not necessarily know who it is, right? If my mother says my name, all she has to do is say my name, right? She, I don't have to know, I, she doesn't have to say anything else. If she says, John David! She's wondering where I am, right, if we had the house. John David, that means come see. That means answer, right? I usually ignored that one when I was a kid, which led to John David Mathern. I'm in trouble, right? I'm not going to be able to sit down. It's time to go to my mom's house and go eat some, eat some snacks and drink some chocolate milk, like, right? Like, that was my plan. The reason why I know that is that my mom only has to say my name. And I know so much more. Why? Because I've been knowing my mom's voice since I could hear. Like since I had the faculty of hearing, I've heard my mom's voice. 
There's a long-term relationship that's there. There's a lot of years that's there. There's a lot of talking that's there. Don't tell her I said that. (laughs) But there's a relationship that's there that I'm familiar with a voice. And that the smallest, most subtle thing can mean so much. If it's true on an earthly relationship, how much more true is it with a heavenly relationship? Oftentimes, when it comes to prayer, the question is not, the first, the first objection that we often say is, is I'm too busy to pray. I've got too much going on. I can't pray. Uh, prayer, is not, prayer, prayer is never a time issue. I'm letting you know right now. It's a faith issue. Prayer is never a time issue. It's always a faith issue. Because I, I, I will use X amount of time to watch a football game. I will use X amount of time to watch a baseball game. Or I will use X amount of time to, to, scroll, through, to scroll, scroll through social media because I believe that by using that time, some, I'm going to get something from it. What happens is, is that we don't pray because oftentimes it has nothing to do with the amount of time. It has the, the, it's the reality that we don't have the faith that God's going to show up, that God's going to speak. Prayer is never a time issue. It's always a faith issue. Or lack of prayer. It's never a time. It's always a faith. But once we, once we do that part, once we recognize the, 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 the voice of the shepherd, once we know the voice of the shepherd, once we hear the voice of the shepherd, once we receive the voice of the shepherd, that's a beautiful thing, and we, we can follow him. That's awesome. But the second part of the good shepherd is not just that we would follow him, but then that we would also lend our voice to him. That we would let him speak through us as well. And this brings us to the first reading. Because what we hear in the first reading is we, we hear a continuation of, of St. Peter. And, and St. Peter, at the, right after Pentecost and right after receiving the Holy Spirit and, and him and John being, being in Jerusalem and having a crippled man walk, and then they start to proclaim and preach. And as they're preaching, they're really, really making all the Pharisees angry because they're saying, you are the ones that killed Jesus and, and we need to repent and you need to be baptized and you need to follow him and all these kind of things. Like, like they are preaching loudly, proudly, and boldly. And at the end of the preaching, what happens? We, we hear in today's first reading that, that Peter, at the end of that first, at, at the end of that first homily, 3,000 joined their number. 3,000 converts were one. The, key, the, the, the main thing to realize there is that Peter is not fixed. Peter is not all of a sudden this amazing rhetorician, this amazing public speaker. He's still a fisherman that can't fish. He's still a guy who never's catching fish in the Gospels, right? He's still a guy who puts his foot in his mouth repeatedly. He's still the guy who denied Jesus three times. And yet, because he allowed God to work, he knows the shepherd, he knows his voice, he follows the shepherd, he follows his voice, and he lends his voice to the shepherd, 3,000 converts are made. Because Peter boldly and loudly professes and proclaims the faith he has come to believe and he knows. That he knows it to be true. And because I know it to be true, I need to share it. Best definition of evangelization that I have ever heard is one beggar showing another beggar where they found food. Is that not what we're called to do? 
to lend our voice to the Lord, to just let the world around us know, this is where I've been fed, this is, where I, this is what I know to be true, and this is where I have found God. And that's what Peter does. Loudly, profoundly, and boldly. That's the call for every one of us here. Doesn't matter if you're retired, doesn't matter if you're young, doesn't matter if you're in school, it doesn't matter if you're working, it doesn't matter if you're single, it doesn't matter if you're black, it doesn't matter if you're white, it doesn't matter who you are, every single person in this church today is called to go and proclaim. What do we do today? We, we, come, we, we, get a, we get an expression of this entire mystery today as we come to Mass. We come to receive and to hear the shepherd's voice. We come to follow the shepherd, to come to know the shepherd, to be fed by the shepherd. And then what are we done? What happens? We are then sent out to lend our voice to the shepherd to work through us as well. Today we also, as we heard at the beginning of Mass, celebrate World Day, the Awareness Prayer Day, whatever it is for, for vocations. The big prayer day for vocations in the church. Every one of us have been commissioned by the very fact that we've been baptized and confirmed to be sent out. Some, though, God calls to proclaim His faith full-time. And that's something that, as Bishop Dorsonville said last week, we need to pray for. Because without priest and without religious, there are no sacraments. Without priests, there is no confession, there is no Jesus, there is, there, there, or there is no Eucharist. How is it that God is calling you to proclaim His faith? How is it that God is calling you today, this week, this month, this year, this season of life, in the future, how is it that God is calling you to, profa- to proclaim His faith? We can only proclaim him if we listen to him. So it's a both and. It takes both sides. But today as we come to this Mass, may we come to know the shepherd. <laughs> may we come to know him better, to listen to him, and, and, and to recognize his voice easier. And as we go forth, may we boldly, loudly, and proudly proclaim the message that we received. Today, may we come to know him and to lend our voice to him.